All right, guys, we're going to go ahead and get started and find yourself a seat. we got listening guides up here to my left. Uh, if you need a pen, you can do that. This is uh, our second session on Family Matters. Tonight we're talking about marriage, and we got a lot of a lot of ground to cover tonight, and um, hopefully uh, you'll get something out of it. And what would you say? You got to pack it this week. Well, we know some of you guys are, you know, I know you're married to Wilmy. We want to give you as much information as possible to help with that. But we're going to talk in the mic. I know you can hear us, but we're putting this on a podcast later and uh, getting rolling. If you missed last week, that should be online uh, or it will be in the near future. Um, but let's get started. Let's say a prayer and we'll get rolling, all right? Father, we love you and ask God that you'd bless our time together. And ask, Father, that you would just move in a very specific and powerful way in each one of our lives. And, God, as we learn to uh, make family matter, uh, God, that you would teach us, teach us these principles from your word, and overwhelm us in a powerful way. In Jesus' most precious name we pray. Amen. All right, guys, like I said, you should have had the uh, listening guide here. And if you look through that, there are several resources in the back. Some of them we'll cover. Some of them we won't. Um, and, uh, but they are there for you. And we're also giving time, maybe ask some Q&A on something we missed. You know we talk fast. Well, you know I talk fast. But if you weren't here last week, if y'all have never met my wife, this is my wonderful, lovely, awesome, perfect wife, Sarah Beth. And she's been a counselor for since, well, we've been married 17 years. We'll just call it 17 years. And, uh, and then I've been a pastor as long as that. But um, let's just kind of dive in tonight. Last week we talked about how to build a safe home environment or building safety into your home. And tonight we're talking about building into your marriage. Next week we're going to talk about the parenting stuff. We say that really uh, is going to be, that's going to be a lot of stuff that we're going to be going over. Um, and then tonight we're going to give you some principles. And honestly, we could talk for hours and hours. We had an art of marriage seminar uh, back in the fall, and that lasted for probably 15 hours total. We're going to try to squeeze in as much as possible in 45 minutes because our prayer is that your marriage would be healthy. And uh, your marriage would be growing and going in a Godward direction. And we really recognize that that's not always the case because it's not in the Bible, but I think uh, we can all agree to this statement where two or more gathered, there will be conflict. Would you all agree on that? And um, sometimes you wake up next to the person uh, that you're married to and you're like, who in the world are you? Uh, you may love your spouse, but there are times you don't like your spouse. Agreed? And uh, But not, not me. Um, but... Um, I mean, but look, let's just be real. Your spouse rolls over and blows Kung Pao chicken breath in your face some nights, and it ain't good. Would y'all agree on that? And so tonight what we want to do is give some principles, talk about some passages of Scripture. Uh, we're going to dive into some different areas. And I know last week I think I asked how many of you guys were raising four-year-old kids or under, and about half the room or more than that raised their hand. Uh, and I told you last week, now we have a teenager, and that's much more difficult. And so it just gets worse, guys. And so... Um, and so, and then there's some empty nesters, and uh, Janet up here, all her kids are grown. She sent me a text and said, you never quit parenting. And uh, then she said, great job last night. So I th said, thank you for the encouragement and the discouragement um, in that. But let's kind of jump in. Three things we're going to cover tonight. You get those sub points there, those points there if you want to follow along. Um, and we gave you plenty of room to take some notes. Uh, Sarah Beth's going to do a lot of the talking, and then I'll fill in some gaps She's much more of an expert about some of this stuff than I am. But the first one is basically we're going to talk about three things, communication, time, and types of marriages, okay? Communication, time, and types of marriages. The number one reason people get divorced, at the last research I saw, was because of communication. Uh, finances are a part of it as well. Uh, In-laws are a part of it. So you take those three, and normally when a couple comes into my uh, office, uh, it's going to be one of those issues. Financially, they're having a problem. Communication's an issue, or mama's an issue. And so uh, we're going to be dealing with some of that. We're not dealing with the finances. We have a financial seminar for that. But um, there are other hot-button issues, like I said, finances being one of them, in-laws being another. Parenting is an issue. When you had kids, uh, how many of you guys have kids? Just kind of show of hands. That's almost everybody in this room. Did your marriage get stressful then? Did you have a tough year then? You remember that first baby, and it's like they make you take a test for a driver's license, but they give you this human being to take home with you, you know? And so um, all that being said is that we're not going to have a lot of opportunity to deal with that, but what we are going to deal with those three issues. And the first one we're going to deal with is communication. I'm going to start off by kind of giving an illustration one of my mentors gave me, and then Sarah Beth's going to take over. Um, 
one of my mentors in ministry sat down with a group of us, a group of interns, and looked at us and said, it's so vitally important that everything you do, you communicate. He said, let me sing to you the communication song. And he looked at us, and this guy could not sing. He was a college basketball player in his prime. And he looked at me, and he goes, the C is the C in communication. The O is the O in communication. The M is the M. In com-. And he went through every letter and said that over and over again. He said, do you get the point? You have to communicate. And I think in our marriages, there's no such thing as over-communicating. Agree? And so what we want to do now is kind of transition uh, because in that communication process, I know no one in this room has ever had an argument with your spouse. But in case you do, what we want to do is teach you how to fight fair. All right? All right, guys. I'm going to be referring to the fighting fair list as the longest one. If you want to pull that out of your packet, um, you can refer to that. Um, As Chip and I were talking through this, um, we call our fights tense discussions, so I may refer to that but we were talking about God's design for marriage and how I think as I was growing up, I was thinking it was going to be a fairy tale. You know, I imagined my wedding. I imagined what our house would look like and our perfect little babies would look like. And it wasn't until I was a few weeks into my marriage um, that I realized that it was not a fairy tale. And I think God has definitely redeemed that and refined it over the years. But your marriage is not a fairy tale. It's not designed to be. It's God's way of refining us and redeeming us. And I don't know, I think I heard somebody call it um, divine sandpaper at one time. And I was like, yes, that is kind of what it feels like a lot of times. And we've got a great marriage and it has not always been easy. And we have tense discussions. Um, But hopefully tonight, this will equip you guys to have fights or intense discussions or communications that are going to be effective so that it won't become a destructive marriage. You'll be constructive with each other. You'll grow. You'll problem solve. So I'm going to refer to this list, and Chip, you just fill in as you can. Um, I'm not as big of a talker as Chip, so this is a long list for me to talk about. But um, the way you fight determines the result of your fight. The way you fight, how you fight is key. And so as you go into it, um, You're going to have to figure out what works for you. On this, it says time required, no more than 15 minutes. Do what works for you guys. If you, usually there's a pursuer and a retreater in the relationship. Um, Chip is a pursuer. I am a retreater. And sometimes I just need a minute. And so we have to, we have learned over the years to, me. If I don't give her a minute, I die. Okay? I mean, so. I respond in a not so good way when, um. I tend to become more explosive or melt down. I'm a processor, so if I don't have time to process, my response is, is not very helpful. So we've learned to kind of figure that out. Um, so find what works for you. Try not to let it linger. Um, go back to your spouse. If you want to set an appointment for it, do that. Just make sure you're not avoiding. Um, pray before approaching your spouse. That can definitely um, set a much better tone for a discussion. But um, in your family of origin, Um, When I say family of origin, I mean the family that you grew up in. There's a lot of communication um, that you learn about or or don't learn about. Um, I don't know if you guys, when you got married, did you kind of assume that your marriage was going to be like your family of origin? Anybody think it was going to be kind of like that or not really? Or you hoped it wouldn't be like your family of origin in some ways. So a lot of that is carried over into how you communicate. Um, But these are just a few Um, tips, try not to let things build up um, until somebody explodes. If you're angry about something, try to talk about it. If you haven't talked to your spouse about it within about 48 hours, let it go. Um, Release it. If your spouse doesn't want to discuss it, we talked about this, set an appointment. Timing is everything. If you tend to talk at the end of the day, right before bedtime, um, that may not be the best time. Or it may be the best time. Well, and I think with she and I, when I, when we fight, if it's late at night, I'm more of a night owl. She is not. I've got pictures of her with a remote control in her hand, absolutely asleep. And so it's kind of hard to change the channel. We don't even argue about who watches what because I let her watch what she wants, and then five minutes later I turn it because she doesn't care uh, at that point. But that is not a good time for us to fight. For us, Sundays are not a good time to fight. It's not a good day to get in a disagreement that day. And so it's just kind of we want to look over this and deal with this later. And so you got to look at the rhythms and the ebb and flow uh, of when – um, and, and going back to parenting in some ways, if you got a kid that's flipping out, it's not a good time for y'all to get in an argument right then either. 
uh, because that's when it really gets ugly, right? And so you got to think through when are these good rhythms for us to talk about it. Yeah. Another thing that we've learned that's on this list, too, is know what the issue is. Uh, I don't know about y'all, but a lot of times little things start to pop up, and you realize, okay, this isn't <laughs> the real thing, or you bring other things into it. So know what the issue is. Kind of pin it down um, when you are fighting and stick to that subject. Keep the fight between the two of you. Don't go to your mama or even your children. Sometimes kids get um, drug into fights, and, and people, um, it, it divides the family. So just um, try to keep it between the two of you. Um, number six is don't hit below the belt. You know what hurts your spouse, and you know what hurts the people that are closest to you, so try not to hit below the belt. Um, keep the past in the past. Again, it's kind of stick with what the issue is um, and keep it in front of you when you're fighting. Um, watch your tone. This can be kind of difficult if you find that you are um, getting more and more explosive or your tone is not something that you would want your coworkers or other friends and family to hear, step back. Um, there's several more on here. Um, listen to one another fully while you fight. Um, using I statements instead of you statements. As soon as we start to say, I don't know about y'all, but um, if he's like, well, you always or you never get a little defensive, and I don't hear much of what's going on. I'm all about defending myself, and so that shuts down communication, so I feel statements. I feel like, and you fill in the blank with your feelings can really help diffuse um, the situation. Um, keeping your voice low, paraphrasing, um, parroting. I don't know if you guys have ever heard this technique. If somebody says um, they're upset about something, say, okay, so what I hear you saying is you're upset because I'm not helping you clean the kitchen. Is that correct? And say it back to them and then ask for clarification. They can tell you, okay, yes or no. Is that, you know, what I'm really upset about or not? And it just allows you to, to kind of clarify. Um, I totally lost my thought. Um, <laughs> one of the things, too, Sarah Beth and I are highly competitive people. We want to win. And that, that's not the objective of our argument. And so, I don't know if y'all get that way. It's more about winning the argument than reconciling the marriage. And so, you have to put reconciliation above victory, okay? Um, and, and that's so important to remember because it doesn't matter. If, you, if, you're, if you're, even if you're right and your marriage is messed up, you're wrong. Yeah, so. There's a lot of pride releasing. Um, marriage has made me very aware of, of my own pride, and I've had to confess that it's hard for me to say I'm sorry and so I've um, had to work on that a good bit um, so yeah marriage is a lot about dying to yourself and really looking um, at the other person that God has put in your life and, and becoming more Christ-like in your interactions with them and remember conflict is normal in fact when I bring a couple in for premarital counseling I always ask them tell me about your worst fight now, if they've never had a fight before, I always try to provoke one. Now, straight up, because they've got to learn to reconcile and work through these arguments, right? And, uh, you know, Sarah Beth mentioned family of origin. That's such a big deal, and one of the things she deals with the couples, and I deal with the couples a lot, is like, well, tell me how your mom and dad fought. Um, because a lot, of reason, a lot of times they fought in a very much an unhealthy way, and we pattern that. And our kids are seeing how we fight, too. And so they're going to pattern how you fight. And that's kind of that's scary, isn't it? Um, and my cousin got married, and his wife, in their first, one of their first arguments in their little bitty newlywed home, picked up something and threw it at him. And he was like, what just happened? That's not right. That's not normal. Well, that's what mom did. Well, <laughs> let's readjust, <laughs> you know, <laughs> reconsider how we do this. And so uh, they have a great marriage, but it's just how they, that's, that's, all, that's what she thought was right. And so you need to sit down and think through those things and even talk about what what's fair and what's not fair. Sarah Beth does not like to deal with the conflict in the moment. She has to cool down. I am like, we're going to reconcile this right now. This is it. And some of y'all like that. I know that. Um, and, um, and until we communicated about that, probably a couple years into our marriage, man, our fights were more explosive than they should have been. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? So, yeah. Yeah. Conflict is completely normal. I mean, it's, it's ordained by God. It can be used by God to deepen our relationship with him and with each other. And um, I see a lot of um, 
sometimes trauma comes up if you have been abused or if you witness traumatic things in, in your family of origin, that can pop up when you get married and usually right after you get married. If, you know, if your dad walked out on you when you were younger and you're in the middle of a fight and your husband walks out the door, that can bring up all those feelings of abandonment, things like that. And so it's really important to deal with the, um, the past and if there has been um, abuse or trauma, that kind of thing, because it definitely pops up. I know probably most of you guys in this room didn't do premarital counseling, and good premarital counseling is going to pull these things out. If you didn't, I want to encourage you to go to a marriage retreat for a weekend. It's going to cost you some money, but it is worth the investment. Uh, it is worth the investment to do that. It builds into your marriage. Sarah Beth and I will be totally transparent. The roughest year we had was when we had a baby, our first kid. We were living 10 hours away from any family to help us. Our kid was staying up all night with asthma issues. I mean, and it was just like, oh, my gosh. And I'm like, who is this woman? She has changed completely. Why is she crying again? You know, all that stuff. And in the nine months leading up to the baby being born, she was sick every day. So it was just like, and I was a pastor at a church, and that wasn't easy. And we were in Louisiana where Katrina hit right afterwards. And so it was just like, so we went on a three-day marriage conference, and just it was just great. We weren't in danger of getting divorced, but we were missing each other. And that just kind of helped us refocus. So I want to encourage you to think through that. And I can give you some resources about where to go. It is worth the investment. So, um, One other thing is thinking about your motives when you are having an intense discussion or conflict. Um, the difference between kind of a knife jab or a scalpel that can help and heal is your motive. So what is your motive in speaking to your spouse? Is it, you know, to bring you guys together or is it to get at them or like Chip mentioned, um, to try to win? Um, so just thinking through that can help as well. All right, next thing we're going to kind of walk through is one of those things in communication, and we're going to spend, uh, it's going to be a little bit quicker because that was a lot, of, a lot of stuff, is the idea of unforgiveness. When you won't not forgive your spouse, this is a huge issue because some of us in this room, how many of you in this room are justice people? You want to get even? Just got to be real. I'm justice guy. Want to get even. They deserve theirs. And I don't know if that's the Jesus way. I know it's not the Jesus way. And that's something I've really had to overcome. Um, and sometimes holding a grudge is something that just inflicts serious pain in your marriage. Would you all agree? You bring it up in an argument. You hold that grudge. And so I want to deal with the idea of not forgiving or unforgiveness. Uh, a lot of marriages harbor unforgiveness, and that permanently damages that relationship. It takes a lot of work to get over it. You have to learn to forgive. Forgiving doesn't mean that those boundaries will be crossed again. Now, understand that. But forgiving, all, it means you're releasing this anger or this sin that they've committed against you. You're releasing that and forgiving them. And it may be something you have to release every day. This is just a principle we deal with everything in our lives. But forgiveness is a powerful point. Uh, not to forgive your spouse or to continue to hold a grudge or to give them the silent treatment. Some of you might be our silent treatment type people. Hear me on this. It's kind of like trying to kill that person by drinking poison yourself. That makes sense? Not forgiving, holding the grudge, and punishing that person is trying to kill the other person by drinking the poison yourself. Be very careful of that. It damages you. It damages your family. And so what I want to encourage you to do, the whole, the whole point of this entire seminar is, is to be gospel-centered. And so apply the gospel here uh, and learn to forgive on that. Um, if it not forgiving someone contradicts what the gospel says, and so we really have to even check our motives about salvation at that point. That goes into another area, is to extend Christ to these people, to extend Christ to your husband, to your wife. Colossians 3, 12 through 14 is just something you want to refer back to um, in the concept of forgiving others. Uh, Paul writes this, and I love it. It, it makes clear application uh, to the marriage. And I, I'm not sure if I jotted that down on the... Uh, I, yeah, it's on there. It's on the listening guide. Um, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, means if you're a Christian, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Wouldn't your marriage be great if you clothed yourself, meaning you acted this way? Wouldn't be a lot of conflict. And then it says this in verse 13, bear with each other. That literally means put up with each other. Because there are things, you can, you, you can push the button on your spouse better than anybody else, right? You know exactly what makes them mad. You know their pet peeve. 
and you know their weaknesses. And at times, even though they have weaknesses, you're going to have to put up with that. They're just not going to change. Your job's not to change your husband, okay? Your job's not to change your wife. I think we were talking through this, and uh, wives, women get married to say, I'm going to change him, and a man gets married hoping she never changes. And neither one work out, agreed? And, and so here's the thing. It's, it's that whole concept to put up with each other. So verse 13, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And, of all, and over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Make forgiveness a practice. Make forgiveness a practice. I'm going to talk a little bit about the five love languages. Have you guys heard of that before? Raise your hand if you've, okay, good deal. If you have not um, taken the test, you can go to fivelovelanguages.com and go ahead and take the test. That way, a a love language tells you um, in, in which form you best receive love, what makes you feel most loved. And we tend to give love in the way that we feel most loved. So mine is quality time, so I'm like, hey, Chip, you want to hang out? His is words of affirmation, and so that doesn't really make him feel loved. It makes me feel loved, so I've got to work on affirming him. Um, the five of these languages are, first one's quality time, like I just mentioned, just the gift of presence. Um, um, the second one is gifts. This is, it doesn't have to be material object. It doesn't mean that you are materialistic if this is your love language. It's just thoughtful, um, you know, what kind of thought was put into it. Um, it can be your favorite, you know, candy from, from the store, a candy bar set on your desk in the morning or um, just something like that, a little note. Acts of service, um, this is just easing someone's burden. This has become a close second to quality time for me since we had children. It, it went up real fast because it just eases the burden of, of all the, the things that I've got to do. Um, words of affirmation and encouraging word and I love you, notice things about your spouse and then physical touch. Um, and this can be non-sexual touch, you know, a pat on the back, holding hands, um, a, you know. Every guy that takes this test, your one or two is going to be physical touch because you're thinking about sex. Let's be real, fellas. Retake the test and be honest next time, all right? <laughs> so take it twice. <laughs> so and understanding your spouse is huge. Become a study of them and make sure you know what specifically makes them feel most loved um and also ask yourself what is it like to be married to me kind of take a a a step back and examine you know okay you know what am I doing in the marriage what it what does that look like too um so it's kind of a back and forth just study each other um pay attention to each other and that decreases a lot of conflict as well and with your children too it's the same thing yeah Check out the book. There's also it's on tape or DVD or podcast, and there's a great website. I read it. Um, and guys, look, men, there's a reason there's fewer men in here than there are women. Okay, because this is not something we typically invest in. Um, but um, I would say get over your machoism a little bit and go. I mean, guys, it is not. It is the least macho book in the world. All right, because it's like, how does her love tank? How does it feel? And I'm like, oh my gosh, you know. Can we just talk about deer hunting or something, you know? And and so, you know, but the principles are good. This is something we read before we got married and still 17 years later still using it. So. And the test online is much faster than reading the book. You can listen to the book on audio if you want to, and it will make your wife feel loved. So. Absolutely. Let's move on quickly. Uh, <laughs> the next thing is in communication is we have to learn to identify and reduce the noise in our life identify and reduce the noise. What I want to do here really quickly is on this whiteboard, I want to show you a couple of things because there's a lot of noise that you guys have in your marriage. And so you've got the husband and you've got the wife. And what you guys want to do is you're trying to have a conversation, okay? You have, ladies, what you want to say to him, and he has what you want to say to you. But what you hear and what he says may be two different things. And what you hear and what she says maybe do two different things. Would y'all agree? And so here's why. In the middle of all this is something we call noise. Now, this is a great little paradigm or a great little illustration to remember because for some of you, the noise right now that you're dealing with is your children. Agreed? I mean, they are noisy. And they're noisy 
just audibly, but they're noisy because you're thinking about it. I never, I, like I said, when Sarah Beth and I had Cade, I was like, where's your brain go? Because she's always thinking about, I got. I don't mean that ugly, but, you know, you got to get the bottle, got to get the baby bag, got to get the diapers, got to get the wipes, got to make sure this is, I'm like, just grab the kid, and let's, you know, the car seat's fine, and all that kind of stuff. I mean, what, there's something called nursery water now, we have to mix with a fork, whatever it may have been. And so, y'all know what I'm talking about, ladies, right? And the guy's just like, oh, okay. And so you just tell me what to do. So you got all this noise. So let's take that idea of, of, of having an infant in your house, okay? She's thinking about all these things. And then let's not even deal with the other aspects of what her body has just gone through and all these different issues and all these different things and all this, all the stuff that comes along with having a baby, right? All this noise is happening in her. But all this noise is happening in him, too, because he's clueless, you know, right, guys? Or, or we, we're thinking this, or we're thinking that, or how am I going to provide here? How am I going to make enemies here? How about, what about this? And all this noise is here. And so what we've really got to learn to do is identify the noise in our marriages. It could be a thought from our past. It could be some type of abuse. It could be some type of just disagreement that you have with each other. Does that make sense? You've got to identify the noise and get rid of it in order to be able to send and receive these messages to each other in a real way. And that only begins when you start, You seriously do some, in, just inspect yourself and ask yourself, what's going on with me? I love, you know what Sarah Beth said, what, um, what is it like to be married to me, you know? I mean, ask yourself that. I mean, but the second thing is you guys have a healthy conversation of saying, you know, have you felt love today? What's going on? And, and, and like last week we talked about, when you have that safe environment established, you're able to do that in a sense of vulnerability. But there's another aspect of this is because what we have to deal with is that when these husband and wife are having a healthy relationship with God, this helps destroy some of this noise. Does that make sense? You're able to see through it spiritually. And so what I want to encourage you to do is as we kind of wrap up this section on communication, is your communication is with your spouse, but it's also with the Lord. Make sense? You've got to have that in place. The stronger this is for her and the stronger this is for him, the strong, better this is going to be for both of you. Make sense? And so we'll kind of transition to this point. Let me make my way back over here. Um, in dealing with that, uh, but remember, I want you to kind of write down this uh, couple questions to ask yourselves in this whole, whole point of communication. Uh, first one is this, what is hindering our communication? What is hindering our communication? What do I need to do about it? Do I need to confess something? Do I need to quit doing something? Do I need to acknowledge that this is happening in me? You know, a lot of it sometimes is just self-awareness. Like, this is what I struggle with. This is what I'm thinking. This is where I'm selfish. And the last thing is, where is God in all this? Where is God in all this? How can he reign here? Romans 8.28 said God is able to work all things out for good. And so regardless of where you've been in your communication, in your marriage, God is working that out. And so uh, we want to uh, remind ourselves of that in a real way. Now, let's deal with time. And we will take less time in these next two sections than we did in the first one. So. The first section that we're going to talk about regarding your time is to be intentional emotionally with your spouse. We do a lot of this while we're dating. We go out on dates. We hang out. We feel so connected, spend time together. Um, and so having a date night scheduled, ideally once a week, but realistically, if you can do it once a month, that would be awesome. Sometimes we go on lunch dates um, when our kids are in school. Y'all look at us like once a week. Are you out of your mind? How many of you are like, that ain't ever going to happen? I mean, some of y'all are like once a year? That'd be great. That would be great. Some of you guys with small kids are like, let me take a nap. That's all I want. That's the best day ever. You know, whatever. It is. I mean, ideally, you know, we have idealistic and lofty goals. But if you can set aside time, budget for it at least once a month, you can feel like a new person. You're, you can reconnect. Um, go out and eat, um, enjoy time together. Um, another way to emotionally connect, we've covered a few of these love languages. Make sure that you're doing something daily to connect with your spouse. Um, and again, that applies to your kids too. 15-minute meetings, we talked about that last time too. Um, just sit down, talk, communicate. Find out what's going on in the life of your spouse. Um, and yeah, it, you're definitely going to reap the benefits of that in your in your relationship. Unless we, Sarah Beth mentioned this, but be, a lot of times, and we were, as we were talking through this, 
People don't go on dates because they don't want to spend the money, right? We're broke, you know, and and then there have been times where Sarah Beth and I were living off peanut butter sandwiches and ramen noodles for our first couple, several years, really, first 15, 20, what we got being married. Still, uh, no, but really, I mean, there were times where we just, you know, nothing. We had nothing. How are we going to pay for rent? Um, it's neat how God provides. But, uh, man, your date doesn't have to, number one, you don't have to go to a nice restaurant to have a date. Uh, I remember when the kids were little, we would make sure they get in the bed and feed them, and then we would light candles and pop in a, a uh, uh, one of those little meals, pasta meals, and warm it up and sit there at the table and eat together. And that was our date. Uh, it's just where you have undivided attention time for each other, uh, whether it be a walk, whether it, for us, we do lunch dates a lot because nights are crazy at my house, at our house. And, uh, and But invest the money. Invest the money in your bedroom. Invest the money uh, in your marriage because, honestly, you're going to be stuck with that person for the rest of your life, your children. They, they'll be okay without that baseball bat. You know what I mean? It'll be okay. And so uh, think about how you do that. So um, we'll kind of move to the next one. Be intentional spiritually. Uh, we kind of talked about this and touched on this. I, I say this, uh, I meet with several guys for discipleship and small group, and I've said this from the platform before. When you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time, right? And so spiritually speaking, when you're not aiming to grow spiritually, or being intentional in your spiritual development of your family and your spouse, uh, you're going to get exactly what you aim for. And so um, a couple of things to think through, attend church together, you know, just make that a priority. Now for Sarah Beth and I and what I do, uh, she's a single mom on Sunday mornings. Uh, and, and, and that's a tough time for us. So the moments when we do get to sit, spend in church together, it's important for us um, and uh, in our days off uh, when I'm not here on Sunday. But, you know, you guys, you come to church together and sit together, you know, go attend church together. I know that my family, I saw it like last Sunday, I saw them all sitting together, and that we were in church together, and so make sure you're there. Another one is um, conversational prayer. Uh, the hardest thing for a couple to do is to pray together, um, and if y'all ever tried to do that and never have done it before as a couple, hey, babe, you want to pray together? Sh- sure, you know, it's like, what do you want to pray about? God is great. Can you say that after me? You know, whatever it may be, God is good. Uh, <laughs> you know, but, you know, and so I realized that. And that my family of origin, while we said the prayer and we went to church and they invested in us spiritually, was not a family that sat down and we just prayed together. Her family of origin, man, they could be going down the road and they see a, a dead dog. Well, let's just pray for that dog, right? You know, whatever it may have been. And so when we got married, she's like, you want to pray? And I'm like, okay. You know, <laughs> And so what we've had to learn, again, is to find our rhythm, the conversational prayer. I know what to pray for her. She knows what to pray for me. We do pray together. Uh, but, you know, making sure that you know what the other person needs and you're incorporating prayer in your family is important. And so make that a priority and just figure out that rhythm. Uh, know where the other person is spiritually. That's a big deal. So many times couples who are engaged come into my office and I ask the questions, well, tell me about how, I'll, I'll do this on purpose. I'll look at the girl or I'll look at the guy and say, tell me how the other person came to know Christ. Well, I've never asked that question before. Why not? And I'd be willing to bet there's couples that have been in this room that don't know the answer to that. And you've been married for a while. And so know that. Know where you are spiritually. Know where the other person is spiritually. Find that out. Uh, know where they are right now, how you can pray for them. Uh, that's going to make your intimacy better. And then make spiritual growth a priority. That means give the other person permission to grow. Um, you know, uh, we try to practice, and we're not good at it every day, to where we spend time alone with God in prayer and reading the Bible and that kind of stuff. And I try to give her space to do that or to meet the women to, to, to go to a Bible study. And she tries to do that for me. And so give that other person permission and priority to grow in their relationship with God. Uh, make sense? And so uh, be intentional about your spirituality. The next thing, we're both going to kind of deal with this. Um, I'm going to use the whiteboard again. Be intentionally sexually. I'm not using the whiteboard. I was kidding. Uh, <laughs> some of you would kind of went, what? <laughs> this is going to get awkward. Um, <laughs> but I want to read a passage of Scripture for you here. Um, I, I'm kind of, I'll share it. I don't care. Um, not about us. Um, but uh, one of my mentors once said when a couple gets married their first year of marriage they can put a marble or a penny in a in a jar and every, every time they have sex and then after that 
take a penny out of the jar, jar after that first year. Take a penny out of the jar every time they have sex, and they'll never empty the jar. Let's just be real. <laughs> after that first year, especially when you have kids, things change, right? <laughs> Nobody wants to say, yeah, you know, but you're, yeah. All right. But I want you to remind, remind yourself of something because this is a deep issue in most marriages, in the Christian context as well. 1 Corinthians 7, 1 through 5. Um, and before I read this, you need to understand, God created the heavens and the earth in six days, and the seventh day he rested, right? In the context of those six days, he created sex, and he said it was good. And all the guys are like, yes, sir, it sure is. No, but, but what I want you to understand is when we're doing that in the context of biblical marriage, it's a God-glorifying, God-ordained, and God-expected thing. Make sense? It's good. And so 1 Corinthians 7, 1 through 5, now for the matters you wrote about, Paul is writing this, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman, but since sexual immorality is occurring, each man should have sexual relations with his own wife, meaning get married, and each woman with her own husband. The husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife, and likewise the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but yields it to her husband. In the same way, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but yields it to his wife. Do not deprive each other except perhaps by mutual consent and for a time that you may devote yourselves to prayer. Then come together again. This this is so important. So that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. All right? So it's biblical not only to have sex, but to have frequent sex. Make sense? Now, what we want to kind of walk through for a moment is um, the, the understanding of, of what it is biblical, what is not. And so, Sarah Beth's going to continue. Um, what I was going to touch base on is um, not so much what is biblical, what is not, but just scheduling it. I mean, the Bible tells us we need to connect with our spouse in this way. And it's important, you know, if you find that it's becoming less and less frequent, you're not connecting, you're missing each other, be intentional schedule it, um, get on the same page about it and talk about it. And um, I think in the line of work that I'm in, I see a lot of issues related to sex. Um, There is a a lot of people that are being sexually abused, um, males and females, and um, that's something that comes up after you get married. It may not have, you know, been something that you dealt with before, Um, but it's important to talk to your spouse about that. And if it becomes a recurrent issue, get in um, to a good counselor who's an expert in um, sexual issues who's going to be able to help you and, um, you know, walk you through dealing with those issues and also work with your spouse. Um, It's important to be sensitive to your spouse if that's something that they dealt with. There's a lot of shame associated with that. Um, So deal with it. Get it out in the open. Talk about it. Love each other through it and and schedule. Make sure um, it's a priority. Uh, Communicate about expectations. A lot of times couples don't. Uh, they just have sex, and then no, neither one of them are happy at the end of it. You know, It's just they don't talk about it. And so you need to have a, it comes down, communicate about your sex life, what's expected, what's not expected, frequency. Um, you know, and I, I'm, th- I'm peering into a man's mind here. You're like, frequency, three times a day, you know, that kind of stuff. And, and that's just not a reality. you got to make sure that you're, 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 you're both, remember that passage, you are not your own and you are not your own. And you've got to come together and decide what's right for us and what's, uh, um, how, how, what's, God, what's honoring God and honoring my spouse in that context. And so communicate about it and about expectations. And then let's be honest, there are times when it's not going to happen. Whether you're apart on because of a business trip, uh, whether it's because of a medical issue or pregnancy or whatever it may be, it's just not going to happen. And so I'm going to say this and move to the next point and leave this to your imagination and however you want to deal with it in your own marriage is that if it's not possible because of medical or whatever it may be, you're going to have to get creative (laughs) and figure that out. Um, And anything in the context of your marriage is okay. That's all I'm going to say, and we probably need to move on from that context, that step. Make sense? Was that awkward enough? (laughs) I'm okay with it. I'm not. Go ahead. Um, I don't even know where to go from there. Um, 
Well, I thought it would be cool to discuss. No, I'm not. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of like you can't look each other in the face after that, right? You coming Sunday? Nope. Leaving church for good. Uh, um, okay. So we covered that. I think the main thing is just connect, make sure that you're listening to each other, make sure that you're caring for each other well. Um, and we talked also about manipulation, using sex for manipulation or control in any way, men and women that, you know, if you don't do this for me, then I'm not going to have sex with you, or um, I've seen extreme cases where it becomes abusive within the marriage as well, and that's definitely um, ground that you want to stay away from, and, um, and yeah, and not do, um, but we talked about different affairs in your marriage as well, um, this is something that we learned on the weekend to remember when we went, um, year after Cade was born, and they talked about different types of affairs. Initially, I was like, well, I'm not having an affair. You know, that's not, I can't even, I, I just want a nap. Um, I can't even keep up with my own husband. Um, but one thing that they brought up was children having an affair, um, not, you know, in a way that you would have a relationship, obviously, with your spouse, but making your children the priority over your spouse, and that becomes really dysfunctional. And that was something that I realized, oh, my gosh, I'm thinking about Cade way more than I'm thinking about Chip. I'm, I'm investing in him way more than I was in Chip. And so um, not ignoring your spouse, realizing, you know, that um, our, pri- our relationship is priority in marriage and our kids are going to be okay when we're okay. It also comes down to hobbies, relationships with other people, activities, work. When those things become more of a priority than your spouse, then you're having an affair with that. And so you really have to watch yourself. Uh, and um, mine was not so much children, but it was work. Uh, I would go to bed at midnight or 11 o'clock when we'd go to bed and wake up at 3 in the morning and go back to work. And was so consumed, not here, but in my last church, with establishing that church and get it going, that I'll never forget. I told We were about to launch our church. It was a... Uh, I never, it was 4404, and we made these T-shirts and had everybody who was new to, who was coming to our small groups wear these T-shirts around town. Come to find out afterward, everybody thought we were talking about the apocalypse, and so it didn't come. It's not a good marketing strategy. Um, but I thought, hey, when Cade's born, I'll just wear that 4404 shirt in the delivery room. How cool would that be to share with the doctors and tell them to come into church? What do you think, babe? You wear that shirt in the delivery room, and you won't have a baby or a wife when we're done. You know, that kind of – it's just <laughs> – and so you got to think through, you know, where are, is my devoted attention? Where is my most important attention? You know, obviously you work longer than you're at home, but she should and he should get your best. You know, you got to find that reserve tank to put in there to give the best to your family, to your wife, to your husband first, um, then the kids. And so um, it's important to do that. So if, you know, take an take a, uh, take a audit of your time, take an audit of what you're having an affair with, um, and stop it so and also I think setting boundaries in relationships too with somebody of the opposite sex you want to make sure that you don't start confiding in someone else you want to confide in your spouse and meet their needs and make sure your primary energy again is going to your spouse Um, so that's really important real quick boundaries to set Uh, one one thing I'll never do is I'm never with a woman alone um, for my job because I don't want to lose it because I don't want any accusation ever presented because I love her and I want to honor her and there are times where obviously that's going to happen, but I find myself getting out of that situation as quickly as possible. Um, and you also need to have all access to technology. You know, we talked about this last week, but, but, but to harp on it a little more, you know, you need to know everything that your spouse has on their phones and vice, vice versa. Uh, have that, uh, you know, if, they, if, if you can't look at their computer, you need to find out why, you know. And so make sure they text message. If I'm going to call somebody, if I, I mean, I've never happened because – I just don't do this, but if an old friend from my past, a girlfriend or that kind of stuff gets in touch with me, dude, Sarah Beth's going to know about it, and I'm going to tell her about it immediately, and uh, and we're going to talk about that, and and so make sure that you're openly communicating about that and make sure there's no hidden, um, the Bible talks about the Satan getting a foothold, and that's where he gets footholds really quick, and so make sure um, that's not happening, so being a safe spouse in response to that if you respond in a calm rational way when your spouse tells you something they're trying to be open with you and it's going to be easier to communicate yeah we had a when we first got married we married like six months this girl i went to high school with found out i was in the ministry called us somebody got our phone numbers before cell phones called our phone picked up 
Sarah picked up and said, hello. He said, I'm looking for Chip. Well, he's not here right now. Oh, well, can you get him a message? My name is Melanie. We went to high school together, and I want him to marry me. She's like, what? <laughs> you know, <laughs> she wanted me to do the wedding, but, <laughs> you know, I'm glad she got that call. Um, not me, but uh, you got to make sure that, you know, you have those open lines of communication in those areas. Um, the next section we're going to talk about is the different types of marriages. Um, we talked a little bit about expectations. I think most of us have expectations going into marriage. Um, we think it's going to be a certain way. We have ideals and dreams. Um, there's three different marriages that I want to touch on. Um, first one is a difficult marriage, and that's when circumstances outside of the marriage contribute to um, your stress level. I mean, this can be anything from hurricane, um, an illness, um, your own family interfering. You may have different values, different, also different ways you want to keep your house, um, different priorities, that type of thing. Um, and how you handle that determines if your marriage stays healthy or not. Um, mutual effort in discussing and communicating is going to help your relationship stay healthy. Um, second type is a disappointing marriage, and this is usually the I've talked to a lot of women who have idealized their spouse and he completes me and all that stuff, um, where you want more from your spouse. Um, you feel like they're not hearing what you need. Um, you need to examine your expectations, talk about your expectations. Again, think, okay, what is it like to be married to me? A lot of times we hyper-focus on our spouse and what they're not instead of our own selves and, and what we need to become and, and becoming more Christ-like too. Um, and again, you can transition from a, a relatively healthy marriage into a more destructive marriage if you don't come together, if you don't communicate, if you're in a disappointing marriage. And all of this is an opportunity um, to become stronger, to enrich your marriage, to further your growth. The final one um, is a destructive marriage. And um, some of you may have been in a destructive marriage. This is a marriage where you're being demeaned, dismissed, um, you're being denied. Um, you may even start to notice physical symptoms um, as time goes on. When you're in a marriage like this, you may, you know, start questioning yourself. Um, there's a lot of criticism, threats, name-calling, isolating. You yourself may become withdrawn. Um, you may feel like you can't be honest with your spouse, like they'll punish you if you disagree with them. Um, that they... Uh, a lot of times there's power over you in a relationship like this, or you may be the one that feels like you need power over your spouse because of, um, it could be because of insecurity. It could be because of, you know, what you observed growing up. Um, but it is, it can become very dangerous and a lot of times um, can lead to violence, um, divorce. Um, oftentimes women come to me and they feel like, you know, I exist to meet his needs my needs are not even addressed. They're not even thought of. There's no freedom. I can't disagree. Um, so just being aware of that, being sure that you're not somebody who's putting your spouse in a situation like that, making sure that each of you are heard um, is really important. You want to stay out of the destructive um, realm of marriage. And if you're in it, um, there's help available. There are counselors, um, great counselors um, that, that we can get you connected with. Um, but just definitely going to need support. The Lord can work in all of these different types of marriages. He can fortify you, can strengthen you. Um, yeah, and I would say you're going you're going to um, you're going to deal with at least the difficult marriage. You're 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 going to deal with that, and so uh, you know, um, and, and and I know we have, and and so um, when you a parent is going to get sick, you know, a child is going to misbehave. Uh, you're going to go through a recession, whatever it may be. And so it's important to maintain that this is just a season. We can get through this together. Uh, do that. Really quick, to uh, finish out, this, these last three are going to be really quick. Um, you have to come to the place to where you understand that your spouse is God's gift to you. Have that perspective about that, about your spouse. You know, there. yes, you annoy each other. Yes, there are times where uh, you want to just, just walk out, whatever it may be. But, you know, when I go back to Scripture, when Eve is presented to Adam, that's the first wedding. Y'all realize that, right? And God the Father walks her down and presents her to Adam, and that's, that's marriage. And that's God's gift to each one of them. 
Um, and, and it's such a beautiful thing and to be mindful of that, that the person you're married to is, the, is a person that Christ died for. And, and God has blessed you with that person. And so when you're at your angriest or your most um, incomplete at times with that person, bring the gospel back and remind yourself that that person not only is someone that Christ died for, but it's someone that God has given me. It's God's gift to me. And so be that gift back. Um, the next thing is your marriage is a representation of Christ and the church to the world. Every t- I mean, the, the body of Christ is the bride of Christ. And, um, and so when they talk about Jesus in the church, they talk about the bridegroom being Christ and the bride being Jesus. And so the greatest witness that you can give to your children is a healthy marriage because uh, that, that's why you, you keep the affairs away from your marriage. That's why you keep pornography out of your marriage. That's why you put boundaries up. That's why you seek to be intentional emotionally, spiritually, sexually, all those things um, because you're a representation or a metaphor for what Jesus is doing in the body of Christ. And the last thing, and Sarah Beth started with this, fight the lie of happily ever after. Fight the lie of happily ever after because let's be real, sometimes it's just going to suck. Sometimes life is hard. Sometimes things are just going to happen, just like the bumper sticker says, and you're just going to have to plow through it as a marriage and come together as a, as a family. And so fight that lie. There's no such thing as happily ever after. Prince Charming got old, you know, and the princess gets old as well, and you still got to be happy. <laughs> and so uh, you marry for much more than that. And uh, that guard. you got any closing thoughts or no? Yeah. Okay. Well, that's it, but I want to, just a moment, maybe something you missed on the listening guide or um, maybe you want us, Sarah Beth specifically, or me as well, to kind of you, you cl- to clarify something and just give you a moment to do that. If you have a question or maybe you want to catch up with something. Will me. Didn't we talk about y'all at the beginning of this? Okay. Go ahead, man. Why is the time frame so important in dealing with issues? I think a lot of times if you don't deal with it in a timely manner, it just passes by. It's going to come up again anyway, typically. I don't know about you guys, but we we tended to have patterns in our marriage where, you know, if something wasn't dealt with, it festers, it can grow, and it can cause bitterness, resentment, that kind of thing. You had a great statement one time, you two, when I, when I talked to you guys about how there are no rugs in your in your house and, and me- metaphorically speaking because you can't sweep anything underneath it you got to deal with it so uh yeah put a time frame on that for sure was there something else you said two things okay anybody else well guys thank you guys so much for being here this evening uh next week we're going to talk about building into your parenting and and all y'all pray for us because every time we talk about parenting we have to parent and uh, and so uh, in some in some hard difficult ways. So here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna pray for us. If you guys could do like we did last week, some of you do to kind of help put up the chairs and tables, or put up the tables and let's get the chairs set back up for Sunday. We sure would appreciate that. Um, I'll pray for us and and uh, get us rolling. So Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for grace that you show us, and thank you for uh, a marriage. And I pray that these marriages here would be blessed, and that God that you would work in them and that you would use them. In Jesus' most powerful name we pray. Amen.